spiritually by focusing on the wonderful good news of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. In just a moment, we are going to light the candle called the love candle, 1 John 4, 9. And this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Today we remember Joseph, the fiancé of Mary and the mother of Jesus. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And the, her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the gospel. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Today, as we light the candle of love, let's reaffirm God's love for us and the truth of 1 John 4.19. We love because he loved us first. Uh, Pre-K Children's Church can be dismissed at this time. Just the pre-K. Christmas. Um, my name is Mark Percival, one of your elders, and this is our corporate prayer time. As, as we pause in this time of our service to just uh, go before the Lord in prayer, would you, would you pray with me? Father God, we just come before you this morning. We're so busy this time of year. God, I pray that you would still our hearts during this time. God, when I think of your love, I think of uh, your son, Jesus. Um, and the humility um, that was shown in his birth and and his servant heart and his ultimate death on the cross. God, I'm just struck by that humility. I'm struck by that love to give your only son, God, but the humility shown uh, birth not really fit for a king, but yet you came and you served and you died for us. 
God, I pray at this time of Christmas, God, that you would just soften our hearts. And so the song we just sang, God, I help us to prepare him room. Help us to make Christmas what it should be. And in Christmas, um, with the spirit of, of Jesus Christ in our hearts as we, as we reflect on this time. God, I just thank you so much for your many blessings, how you've blessed this church, how you've provided, how you've loved each and every one of us. God, I pray as we serve you and as we humble ourselves before you, God, that we would be mere vessels doing your work. God, I pray that we could be emptied of ourselves, that we would be filled with your spirit, not only during this time of Christmas when, when we're always thinking of about this, God, but just um, year-round. i got to lift up the needs in our church. There, there are many, and I, I thank you for the praise reports we have of, of new life. God, I pray you continue rest blessing on the uh, Green family as they, um, after the birth of their daughter, God, I just pray your blessing on them. Thank you for the successful surgery of Gary. God, I pray you would just bless uh, be with the doctors and pray as he recovers from that. God, to just be with him, comfort him during this time. I pray for our missionaries. Uh, I pray for those serving overseas and doing doing the work, God, as we are here. Um, may we lift them up in prayer and finances and um, and not not forget them during this time. I thank you for the ministries that we've been a part of this past year, God. I pray that you continue to grow those opportunities and relationships. Um, God, help us to know the direction you have us to go there. God, I just also lift up uh, those that are they're dealing with uh, mourning this time of year. God, I pray that uh, this, this holiday season can be a tough time for those dealing with the loss of a loved one. God, I just pray that you would just comfort them, give them the peace that, that only comes from you. God, I pray as we, in our time of, of teaching, God, that you'd be with Jim, I pray that you would just soften our hearts, open our eyes to hear a word from you today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that's in it. I thank you for the hope that we have because of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it's Christmas Eve, and uh, so I guess we'll go ahead and read the story. That's what everybody is expecting, and so uh, here we go. Verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from the United States Treasury that all America should go shopping. <laughs> the decree was first made when the leading economic indicators dipped to their lowest point and authorities encouraged more spending. Verse 3. All went out to shop, each to his own store. And the Christian also went up from his suburban home to the city with its many malls because he wanted to prove that he was from the household of prosperity. And with him was his wife, who was great with economic worry. And so it was that while they were there, they found many expensive presents, pudgy-faced dolls, trucks that made into robots, an assortment of new video games. Verse 7. And the woman wrote checks for those that they could afford and charged the rest to different kinds of plastic cards. 
She wrapped the presents in bright paper and laid them in the garage, for there was no room in the house. And there were, in the same country, children keeping watch over their stockings by night. And lo, Santa Claus came to them, and they were sore afraid, expecting to see the special effects that they had seen in the movies. And Santa said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people who can afford this holiday. For unto you will be given in this day in your suburban home great feast of turkey and dressing and cake, and many presents shall be assigned to you. You shall find the presents wrapped in bright paper lying beneath an artificial tree. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with Santa Claus a multitude of relatives and friends praising one another and saying, glory to you for getting me this presence. It's just what I wanted. Verse 15, and it came to pass, as the friends and relatives had gone away to their own homes, the parents said to one another, I'm sure glad that's over. What a mess. I'm too tired to clean up. Let's go to bed. We'll worry about it tomorrow. Well, it's Christmas Eve, and that may not be exactly what you expected being read today, but I imagine there's going to be those this week that are going to be experiencing something just like that. When cultural Christmas ends, oftentimes people say, man, I'm glad that's over. What a mess. Let's worry about picking up later. But for true Christ followers, and there's something about us gathering together as a family of faith to truly worship God, our Savior, our Lord, on Christmas Day. And so I'd like to ask Josh to come. And we're not going to have the words up on the screen, so you might want to turn to Luke chapter 2. But we're going to read the historical account of Jesus Christ's birth. This is the word of God, and so let's give our attention to it. All right, Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was a governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were uh, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ Jesus, or Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the things that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Thank you. Have you ever imagined yourself in the Christmas narratives? And, and if you ever have, I mean, who would you identify with if you would have been there? And I wonder if anybody would uh, say, you know what? I think I might identify with Mary and Joseph. And uh, they were both seeking to follow God, trying to be obedient to the truth that they had come to know. And, and yet they... They, they had both come to realize that God spoke into their lives individually. And they were challenged because they were seeking to follow God, and, and yet both of them came to understand that if they're truly going to follow God, they need to not so much make their plans on what it means to follow God, but they need to be totally surrendered to the plans that God brought them, that they would live totally for Him. You know, even though their plans where we're going to follow God. They both laid down those plans in order to follow the perfect plan that God had revealed to them. And maybe, maybe you have felt that way at times. You, you can identify with them. It's like, I'm making my plans in life, and I, I want to follow God in those plans, and yet all of a sudden God's plans come to us, and it's like, I have to lay down my good plans so that I can follow his perfect plans, you know? And, and maybe if it's not Mary and Joseph, I wonder if anybody here would say, you know, the one that I identify with in this is the one who was probably the most well-known person in the world in the year that Jesus Christ was born. And that would be Caesar Augustus. And, and in verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And historically, Caesar Augustus was born in 63 B.C. He was one of the great emperors of the Roman Empire. He, his, his title was Augustus, which means the reverend one. He's like a god. He was the, his great uncle was Julius Caesar. And so here you have Caesar Augustus who thought that he was calling for a census in order to have strategic planning and taxation purposes in the kingdom, but really in the things that Caesar Augustus was doing, uh, it was really God who was at work and Caesar Augustus didn't even realize it. Um, you know, it might be difficult to admit in a church gathering, but I wonder if anyone if they were completely honest, would say, you know what, I kind of do identify with Caesar Augustus. 
I'm kind of busy doing my own thing. And I'm not really all that aware of, and if I was really honest, I'm not even all that interested in what God's really up to in the world. You know, I wonder if any of us might say we're a little bit like Bethlehem, and we kind of sang about it just a, a minute ago. I'm, I'm a little bit like Bethlehem. There's, there's not really very much room in my life for the things of God. Then I thought about, you know, it's family worship day, and our kids are with us in, in worship today. And I thought probably the one that we're most apt to identify with as a whole would be the shepherds. And I wonder if you can see yourself in the shepherds, and I wonder if you can see anything of your journey of faith in life that would be similar to their journey of faith that we read about here in Luke chapter 2. I don't really have a title for the message today, but maybe this would be a title that we could have. A story of just getting by and how welcoming God's light brings life. Nothing was more common in Jesus' day than to see shepherds and flocks of sheep around Jerusalem and Bethlehem. For a matter of fact, when Gene and I had an opportunity several years ago, to, we had an opportunity to go to the Holy Land, we, we still saw some shepherds and some sheep around Jerusalem and around Bethlehem in Judea. Uh, Bethlehem is just a few miles south of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is where the temple is, and the people didn't only eat lamb, but they also used those lambs as sacrificial uh, or, or as the sacrifices at the temple, and, and they used thousands and thousands upon the, of them, especially around Passover time. And so as we think about the shepherds, I want you to consider with me this idea of those who just get by. Uh, shepherds were watching over their flocks, and, and that's what shepherds did to kind of get by. They didn't work a nine-to-five job. Uh, no, uh, shepherds watched their flock. And in the daytime... Uh, they would lead their sheep to the grass and to the pasture, to the watering hole. And then at night, they would watch their sheep and they'd protect their sheep and they'd get them into the fold. And sometimes they even slept with their sheep. And so a shepherd's job was not very glamorous. It could be lonely and wearisome, often boring, sometimes dangerous. There's lots of contact with sheep, not so much contact with people even littler pay. And so most shepherds probably, if you would ask them, they're just getting by. And I think about people in our day, you know, caught in similar circumstances, some people working two, maybe three jobs, living paycheck to paycheck. They're just trying to get by. You say, hey, how you doing? Well, I'm getting by, you know. I'm barely making it. Several years ago, a popular magazine did an article in one of their holiday issues, and it asked people, why are you here? And there was a cab driver from a major metropolitan area that answered that question like this. He said, me? I think we're just here to die, just to live and to die. I do some fishing, I take my girl out, I, I pay some taxes, I do a little bit of reading, and I get ready to drop dead. Life's a big fake. You're rich, you're poor, you're here, then you're gone. It's like the wind. You know, after you're gone, other people will come. The, the only cure to the world's illness is nuclear war. Wipe everything out and start over. I, I would call that a just getting by. 
attitude. You know, something happened in Luke chapter 2. And what happened changed the shepherds from watching their sheep at night to, to, to glorifying God and celebrating the birth of God's Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the promised Messiah. You know, something happened that, that changed them uh, in, in their lives. Uh, this, this just, I'm watching over my sheep to I'm entering into the very story of what God is up to in eternity. It, and, and then they're telling others about it and worshiping God as they leave and as they continue. I think what happened could be summed up in a movement from dark to light. And I wanted you to think about that this morning because, because if you read the narratives in the Bible and the parts of the Bible that talk about God coming to this world in the person of Jesus Christ, there's often a movement from dark to light. You go to the book of Matthew, and, and you read in Matthew about some wise men that were coming from the east, and they, they were going from the darkness of spiritual matters to the light that they were following, that they could find a savior that they really didn't even know about. Uh, you, you look at the book of John in the Bible, and it, it talks about things a little more uh, philosophically. And it says this in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the revelation of God, God's expression of himself. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God was his revelation. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, in God, who, who, who expresses himself, in him was life. And the life, here it is, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And so he had got this movement from dark to light. And the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and that's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you go down to verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. This, this, this self-expression of God himself, who is God, became flesh. And he dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you go down to verse 16, it says, from him, or, or, or for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one's ever seen God, the only God, who's at the Father's side. He's made him known. And so Jesus is the light of the world for us all. And, 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 and here in Luke, the shepherds are watching their flock when? At night, right? In the dark. And then the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and there was light. 
You know, and it was truly a life-changing experience. And, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to take a few minutes to just look at this genuine encounter with the light and, and, and the revelation of God. And, and I want you to see it in terms of three movements this morning. And it, it, many of you will see these same movements in your life. And you'll kind of go back over your life and say, yep, I see those movements. And I, I want us to be able to celebrate that together today. Others of us might not see these movements in our life. And, and so my, um, my thought uh, uh, to you today is, would you consider embracing God's light that these movements might be yours personally. And so here we go. Movements of a genuine encounter with God's light. And here's number one. There was an alarming awareness of God's presence. And that's in verse 9. And we read in verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, about them, and they were filled with great fear. Uh, and so that's the first one. And um, one moment, the shepherds are in the dark with their sheep, watching over their sheep at night, and the next minute there is an angel that is dispatched from the very throne of Almighty God, and this angel comes and stands among them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and it was like this brightness that they had never seen that kind of brightness before. And Luke says that they were filled with great fear. And, 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 and in, in the original language that this was written in, there's two words for fear in that phrase, filled with great fear. And so it's two words with fear, and there's this one little word in the middle, and the word in the middle is the word mega. So they were filled with, they, they were fearing with a mega fear. And it's like they, they weren't only fearful, but they were fearful that they were so fearful, okay? And so that's what's going on in this text. And so encountering God's light began with this alarming experience for the shepherds. It was a, it, they were thrust into the spiritual reality of eternal God. William Shakespeare said, Guilty consciences doth make cowards of us all. You know, all of us have thought and done um, enough things that fall short of God's holiness and, and that, that, that we have reason to fear when we come face to face with the very glory and the holiness of God, our creator. And this is what happened to the shepherds when they encountered God's light and the light of God's glory. I mean, who can see God and live? In Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, God told Moses, no one will see me and live. Do you remember when Isaiah, there's this famous verse in Isaiah in chapter 6 where Isaiah has a vision. He's the prophet of God. He sees God in his temple, high and lifted up, and all of a sudden this great prophet who speaks the word of God, he says, woe is me because I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man, even though I'm God's prophet. And I'm among sinful people. When he saw the glory of God, he was more aware of his own failures and shortcomings. You know, I think this is what happened to the shepherds. You know, uh, uh, one of those shepherds might have thought something like this. He might have thought, 
man, I've not obeyed the ceremonial laws that the scribes and the Pharisees tell us that we have to do in order to be ceremonially clean, and because I'm not ceremonially clean, now God has come, and I'm in his presence, and the judgment of God is going to be on me. Maybe one of the shepherds thought, Man, having, having the occupation of a shepherd has been so demanding on my life. I've not followed God's law. God's law says we should keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And with the job that I have, I can't keep that Sabbath day. I can't keep it holy. I can't get to the temple. And now God has come and he's appeared. And I'm falling far short of who I know I need to be. Maybe another one thought, man, I remember carrying away those six sheep, the ones that had died. And according to God's laws, you know, there's all kinds of ceremonial defilement that I have to go through certain rituals in order to be ceremonially clean. And I know I haven't really done those. And now God has come and he's before me and I know that I'm falling short. The nearer we get in our sin and our shortcomings and brokenness to the brightness of the glory of God, the more the light of God's glory reveals the darkness of our sin. The Old Testament gives several accounts of the glory of God in visible demonstrations. In Moses' day, remember when he got called and, and there was this bush that was burning, but it wasn't really being consumed. It was a visible manifestation of the presence of God. And then he was, when they were in the wilderness in Moses' day, a cloud led them by day and a fiery pillar by night. When Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, smoke filled the temple. Again, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, it was the, the smoke that filled the temple. It was a, a visible representation of the very spirit of God. You know, and, and then here for the shepherds, all is dark and they're all alone on the hillside and suddenly it bursts open with the most brilliant, brightest light that they'd ever seen. And, and whatever actually happened, this is the invisible, eternal, holy, creator, Lord God, who's come in their midst in this person. You know, the, the angel reminding them of the glory. Um, it was an alarming experience, the light of God's glory coming. I remember one day, I was with a lady and we were talking about God's word and what it says about spiritual matters. She wasn't a Christian. And um, I, I was going through certain scriptures with her. She was hungry for the word of God. And, um, you know, I talked a little bit about how we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And, and, and then I, I read her the verse that says, the wages of sin is death, or the, the outcome of our sin is death. And I talked to her just a little bit about how that's not only physical death, but that separation between God who is holy and us who is sinful and we fall short of him, that, that, that's a, a spiritual death. We, we like might not know some things about God, but we don't really know God personally in our heart. And then, and then I talked about how if we die physically in that state of being separated from God in our sins, there's an eternal death. And that eternal death is an eternal separation from the good God who created us. And she said these words to me, and it's amazing, and some of you are going to recognize them from Scripture, but, I mean, she said these words verbatim. She says, what do I need to do to get saved? That was exactly her question to me. You know, it's a fearful thing to wonder if I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to be cast away as not knowing him for all of eternity. It's a sobering matter. 
Things like eternal death and separation from God and God's eternal salvation. Important issues. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, every good gift is from God. And think about that for a minute. Everything good that you've ever experienced in human life, it is a gift from the God that created. Every good gift is from God. And so that would mean things like love is from God. It's a good gift. Peace is from God. Joy and kindness from God. Goodness, the beauty that we see, the health that we have, the light, you know, God is light, the light that we can see, um, you know, hope in our life. It's all from God. Could you imagine being separated from the good things of the God that created us for all of eternity? You know, th that would mean that we would have no love for all eternity, no hope, no, no peace, no joy, no kindness, only anger, wrath, malice, slander, <laughs> abuse, no forgiveness, no goodness, no beauty ever, no light. Jesus called, you know, uh, he called hell an uh, outer darkness where you, you, you can't see because there's no light of God there, no sense of purpose. Nothing to look forward to. Only regret. That would be hell. And I think that's why this encounter with God was alarming to, to, to the shepherds. When we see God in God's glory and we see ourselves in our sinful shortcomings, there are eternal realities that stir our fear. But, in the midst of that, there's more. And, and before I read the more, let me just give you a quick quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis wrote about the fear of God. He said, fear of God can be a healthy response to the awe-inspiring, mysterious aspect of God's divinity. Then he says, however, we, got, we need to be cautioned about a distorted fear, one that leads us to despair or doubt about God's character and goodness. Ultimately, what Lewis encourages Christians to do is to walk in faith and courage and to trust God's promises and God's mercy. And we're going we're gonna to get to a second thing here. Let me read one other quote from, this is Eric Thonis. He's a, a, a pastor and also a theology professor at Biola University in California. He said, but a true fear of the Lord realizes you can't run from God. And the only option is to run to him. And when you do, you find the embracing arms of a loving father. So, movement number one, an alarming awareness of God and spiritual matters. Here's number two, a comforting message from God. And this comforting message about uh, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be to all the people. For born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That comforting message is what makes the fear of God different from the fear of some uh, evil tyrant or some abusive person uh, in, you know, in our lives. This is what makes God different because it's true. We can't run from God in our fear, but when we run to him, we find open arms of a loving father. And so, a comforting message from God, fear not. 
You know, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Guess what the word great is? It's the word mega. You've been having a mega fear, okay? And now I want you to see that there is a mega joy in what God's up to in this world and bringing a savior to this world for us. It's the good news. God's not calling us to judgment and condemnation. God is calling us to a savior who is Christ the Lord, the promised Messiah, the ones who tended the flocks around Jerusalem, probably some of those sheep being set aside for the, for, the, for the sacrificial worship in the temple, those shepherds who watch over those sheep are going to be the first ones that are going to come and celebrate the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one Savior that God promised that is going to fulfill all, the, all of what every sacrifice had ever been pointing towards. This is the Savior, and it's good news. It's a comforting announcement. God's bringing eternal salvation. This message of comforting good news is the news that the church today is to embrace and to share with all the world. We are the ones that have the mission from God that we are to help those who do not know Christ come to know him and see him for who he is. And, and, and to help those who do know him to become more like him. That's, our, that's our, our marching orders. It's God who is the savior of the world, including you and me. He's Christ the Lord. Why do we need a savior? Because when we are confronted with the light of God's glory, knowing that if we stand before God in our own sinfulness and our own shortcomings, we are going to experience a separation but good news, there's one who has come for us. You know, I, it says in Romans 6.23 that the wages or the, the payment of our sin, our, the outcome of our sinfulness and offenses against God is death. But the, but the gift of God, that free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not through our religious rituals. It's not through our good deeds or anything like that. It's through this Savior that has come and was born in this world over 2,000 years ago. You know, it, it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 about this Savior who grew up and then, and then uh, showed us the glory of God and what the glory of God's kingdom looks like through his teaching and through his acting. He, he lived without sin. Look, look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And what, and what that means is that the good news is when we embrace faith in Jesus Christ and we stand before God, we not only stand before God forgiven because Jesus lived a life without sin and died for our sins, but he gives us his righteousness so that God sees us not only before him as without sin, he sees us as righteous and bright as his perfect son, Jesus Christ. That's good news. It's good news. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, these words, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, the sinless for the sinful, that he might bring us to God. 
And so through Jesus, we have cleansing of sin. We have a clothing of his righteousness. We have his spirit imparted unto us to regenerate us into new spiritual life. We get adopted into God's family. And now the God that we stand before, he doesn't condemn us in our sin, but he welcomes us to his family as his children. He doesn't see us as some kind of enemy sinner. He sees us as sons and daughters. We might struggle in this life, but we are his and he is ours forever. And we get to experience all those good things that he created. Every good gift is from God. We have every good gift for all of eternity, all of the joy, all of the peace, all of the, all of the goodness, all of the light of God, all of the beauty that God knows. It's ours forever. Okay, so starts out with this alarming awareness that God is holy and God is real. Moves to a comforting message. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy to all the people. For born to you is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And by the way, then there was with the angel, what? A multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with those. How's that go? Peace with, uh, I can't remember. Is it on there? No. Um, I, anyway, it, that first... I guess I got it here. Did somebody give me the scripture. The number. Are y'all with me? Did y'all fall asleep? What number is it? 14? Thank you. Oh yeah, glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's what messes you up when you memorize it in the King James Version and you're trying to quote something else, right? Okay, here's the last movement. The last movement is a personal invitation. Um, and, and, and that's seen in, in, um, in, in, the, in the next verse. Um, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. Um, the angels didn't specifically instruct the, the, um, the shepherds to go, but the implication is, go, you'll find. You know, he doesn't say, go find the, 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 the child. He says, you will find as you go. And, and the invitation was to let God uh, and God's story, uh, let, let them enter into that, what God is up to, and celebrate the birth of this promised Messiah, Savior of the world. Um, it's the most important invitation that any of us could ever have. You know, that invitation. You will find them if you just go. You just follow, follow what the Lord's revelation is telling you. You'll find him. And this is greater than, you know, like an invitation to the governor's mansion. You know, it, it, it's greater than an invitation to anywhere you could think of. You know, this is God's invitation to receive and embrace faith in his eternal salvation that comes through his son coming to this world for us. And so today the invitation comes to you and me. You know, Jesus is not just the savior of the shepherds. He's the savior of the world. And it's God's invitation that we matter to him. We matter to him so much that he left his home in heaven to come to this world and dwell among us 
and, and, and teach us about the kingdom of God and show us what the kingdom of God looks like and to live without sin, to show what the glory of God looks like as it's lived out and through a, a, a life in this world. And then he allows himself to be despised and rejected and mocked and die a criminal's death even though he had no sin. And then he rose again as God's, God's showing that God the Father put his approval on the death of his son and he raises again and he ascends to heaven and one day he is coming again. That's our Savior. In the meantime, he invites us, come, come to me. You know, you, you will find him. You'll find him this Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 15, And when the angels went away from them into heaven, there's all this praise, all this glory. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened which the Lord's made known to us. When it says, when the angels were gone away, can you imagine as they were in that, they're watching their flock by night, all the glory of God comes, the angel is there, and then a host, you know, I don't know how many, but you know, like thousands or millions of angels, and there's all this brightness of the glory of God, and then just as quick as it all appeared, in just a second, boom, all gone. And it is more dark and more silent than they ever imagined it could really be. The invitation was not the response. You'll find the child, let's, you know, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The invitation was not the response. They still had to decide to go. Imagine with me, this is not scriptural, just imagine. Imagine there's a grandpa with a grandchild thousands of years ago. And the little grandson looks up at his granddad and said, said Granddad, you, you've been a shepherd, you know, all your life. Tell me your, your I've heard all kinds of shepherd stories. Tell me the best one. Grandpa thought for just a minute and he said, well, a long time ago. I don't talk about this one. I was 18, maybe 17. I was out one night watching the sheep just a few miles from Bethlehem. I was with some other shepherds watching over, we were watching over our flocks by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord appeared. And the glory of the Lord shone, shone round about us. And we were so terrified. And the angel said to us, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And, and then there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And it was even brighter in the glory of God. And, 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 and they, they were all singing glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then after all of the glory and, and, and everything like that, after all of the worshiping angels and everything that was going on and all of the sounds, all of a sudden, boom, it was gone. And there was this chilling silence and this awesome darkness. How's that for a story? And they both sat there in silence. Finally, the grandson kind of raised up his head and he said, Grandpa, so, is it true? Did it happen? And he said, well, I don't know. I never went. 
Now, some of the other shepherds, they went. And, and man, I mean, I could see the life change in them. They were so excited. I mean, they were, you know, when they got back to the field, it was amazing. They, they said it was just like the angel said, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They, they saw him. They worshipped him. There was a young couple there, and, 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 and they were telling everybody, and they're still worshipping God to this day. They're still walking with God. But I never knew. I, I never went. Well, that was just a made-up story. In Luke chapter 2, the shepherds went, and they became part of God's story and God's family for all of eternity. And so are we when we make the movements, experiencing that alarming awareness that there really is a God who created us. And he really is holy, the one true God. And that comforting message, fear not, fear not. Because his God is a God of benevolence and grace. And as you come to him out of your fear, you'll find that he's there with open arms for you. And we know that because he's provided for us a savior who is Christ, the promised Messiah the Lord of lords, the King of kings, who died for our sins and has risen and ascended and one day coming again. And we've responded to that. We've responded to him. And we've embraced faith in Jesus Christ. As far as the shepherds are concerned, in verse 17, they could not keep their experience of God's good news to themselves. And in verse 20, they kept, they kept on. It continued on glorifying and praising God for what they had experienced. They were connected to God, saved from their sin, given God's righteousness, regenerated into the family of God through a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Um, when we enter into God's story in our lives, it becomes all about him. I'm his, he's mine. I thought there might be some of us today. Maybe this is the day for us to have a true Christmas. Um, there's a big difference between just hearing the message and knowing about it and, 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 and personally embracing faith and going ourselves. And so maybe that's where some of us are. And we just need to talk to somebody. We just need to talk to the Lord, especially, about coming to him. You know, just the way we are today. <laughs> um, for others of us, we've come. And we know we have. We see ourselves in the movements. Um, is there anyone that you need to be like the shepherds and sharing God's good news with that he's put on your heart this Christmas? And are you still continuing to worship and praise the Lord? for what he's done in your life. Maybe today is a day of, of renewal, but I'll tell you what, when we truly experience the Lord, it is so much greater than a commercial Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Uh, 
God, I know we've been going through Luke as a church, but to go back to these scriptures today is good for us. And I just pray, Father, that you would speak to us and give us the grace to respond to you as your word would require. And I pray these things in Christ's name. stand and worship with us this morning.